It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the stats and information guru, Dan Rivera. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Dan Rivera. And I also have Jay Smoove in the house. You guys can find him at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL Week 3. Uncle Dave and Steve, we went ahead. We did five games. The three of us, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cover seven games. Last week, some pretty good results from our podcast, I must say. Danny went ahead to hit another one of your goofy plays. Hopefully, you have one for this week. Smooth, uh, you and I, we did rather well last week as well. So let's go ahead and let's jump into our first game here, guys. We have the Washington football team. They're going to be on the road here at the Buffalo Bills. Bills going to be minus seven and a half. We have a total for this game. 45 smooth. I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you first. Washington, Buffalo. What are you thinking? Yeah, this is probably my favorite pick of the week. And uh, I like Washington getting the points here. Uh, it's been coming down all week. And I just think that when this line opened up, I think the odds makers was kind of uh, downgrading Taylor Heine, going from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Taylor Heineke a little bit. And I really didn't um, agree with that, seeing that he started a few games last year including the playoff game against the uh, the Bucks, and he played really well. And against the, the Giants, when he came out there, you know, he was able to throw the ball and push the ball downfield and get it to their best weapon in uh, uh, Terry McLaurin. And, you know, they put up 30 points, and, you know, they was fortunate to come away with a win, but he still played pretty well. And just looking at this Buffalo team, I know they're pretty good and expected to be in the playoffs again, you know, Josh Allen. He's coming off a year last year where he was had a top five QB season. Um, but this year so far, he's off to a pretty you know rough start. He has gone up against some good defenses uh, against the Dolphins, even though they won 35-0. I think they was fortunate last week that, you know, Tua got hurt really early in the game and they, you know, went up against Jacoby Brissett. But, you know, week one going up against the Steelers, he struggled a lot. And, you know, Washington, they compose a lot of the same threats, especially up front. You know, through the first couple of games of the season so far, they have a top 10 uh, pass rush defensive grade, and the offensive line is struggling a little bit. So I think with the play of the, uh, the defensive line up front and, you know, Taylor Heineke's underrated play on the offensive side of the ball is still able to put up points. You know, I definitely grabbed the points here with Washington, and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, pulled out the win, you know, outright. You know, Smooth, last week I went into that game and I said, that I didn't believe Taylor Heineke was a downgrade from Fitzpatrick. And it's not that I had a super strong stance on that, but I felt pretty comfortable in that, that Heineke was actually, you know, half decent. You know, Mackenzie Rivers and I, we went ahead, we liked the over. And a lot of that had to do with optimism with Heineke. I actually believe now, after seeing his performance last week, that he's the better of the two quarterbacks. Go back to last week. He was 34 for 46. I mean, he threw 46 passes in that game. 336 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. He was only sacked once in that game. You know, 46 dropbacks, only sacked once. I think that is definitely, you know, a a real positive for him. I think it's a positive for Washington going into this game. You know, I haven't really liked what I've seen from the Bills thus far. So I would be with you here, you know, grabbing seven and a half. You know, I I like the hook. Um, I would agree with you, you know, with that particular game there. I don't really have much of a lean uh, to the side or to the total here. I think both defenses last week, I think both defenses are pretty good. You know, Buffalo, they ended up holding Miami to, you know, zero points. And I think Washington's due, you know, to go ahead and have a pretty good game. Let's jump over to our next game here. We have the Bears at the Browns. Browns are going to be minus seven, total 45 and a half. Uh, for those of you guys who had your 
uh, eyes on the news today. It was broke by uh, Coach Nagy that Justin Fields will go ahead and get the start for this particular game. Again, the Browns minus seven, total 45 and a half. Dan, I'm going to go ahead and start it out with you. How are you feeling about the Bears in Cleveland? Well, believe it or not, I have a strong lean here, Browns, because I think we're going to get some maybe six and a half or sixes by game time with all the Justin Fields hysteria. Believe it or not, Sleepy and Smooth, I think the Justin Fields over Andy Dalton right now for this game and for maybe the next week or two is actually a downgrade. Slight downgrade, though. In the seven series Justin Fields played against the Bengals last week, he had 76 total yards, and that was from Sharp Clark. He still holds the ball too long, and I know everyone was saying how awesome he looks in the preseason, but that was against second and third stringers. When he was playing against those first stringers, he looked like a rookie still. He also had a bad interception in the fourth quarter, and I honestly think the Bengals should have beat the Bears last week. There was five more minutes of game time. Mostly just I don't trust Fields here in this game overall. The Browns' defense actually has not looked good the first two weeks. I know week one was the Chiefs. And week two, Tyrod Taylor was doing really well against this Browns defense. And honestly, I think the Browns will end up losing that game if Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt mid-game. I'll lean Browns here because I think he can get a better number, but I don't trust Fields yet in this game. And I expect the Browns to be stepping up their defense here real soon, if not this game. Lean Browns. Yeah, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the downgrade for Fields. I think the Bears know that he is, you know, the future for this team. I mean, Andy Dalton, I mean, what could you say about the guy? I mean, he's going to go out there, he's going to play the position for you, but you're not going to get anything great. I mean, go back to what he did in week one. I mean, they were calling for his job at halftime. He's not good, and I don't see how Fields could be any worse, especially with the mobility that he has. I actually would be a little bit opposite here, Dan. I would actually upgrade you know, the Bears, and I would upgrade Fields for this particular game. I think one of the reasons why – is because the Bears know that they have to rally around this young kid. You know, they can't count on him, you know, to carry. Like, this is the time where, you know, the team has to go ahead and step up and, and protect this guy, you know. And they don't want to, you know, go and let this guy down. You know, when his first, you know, true start, it's going to be on the road against a very good team in Cleveland. So uh, I feel like the line's right. I think the Bears probably come in here with a spirited effort and have the Browns really shown us you know, at least this season that they can go ahead and cover spreads and, and go ahead and put margin up on the board. Uh, they didn't cover last week against Houston, and I think Chicago is better than Houston. I don't know, man. I have a gut feeling Fields comes in here and he shows out, and it's like, you know what? Like, this was the reason why we picked this guy. This is the reason why he's starting now. Why did we even have to go through the whole Andy Dalton, you know, rigmarole? I just don't think that Andy Dalton is long for, you know, his his career in the NFL. It's Justin Fields' turn right now. And he has, you know, big game experience. And this is going to be a big game for him. And I don't believe that the the bright lights are going to uh, slow him down. You know, we've seen guys before under the bright lights just go out there and perform. And look, if he can't, you know, go ahead and, and, and solve the defensive schemes that they're throwing at him, well, you know, good luck catching him because he's going to make plays. He's going to make throws. He's going to get some big runs. So um, it's not that I like the Bears because I, I particularly don't like the Bears, but I don't want to lay seven with the Browns. I feel like the number's kind of right. So I'll probably pass on this one. I agree with you with one thing, Dan. I think that the Browns' defense probably does show up in this game, and I believe a lot of that has to do, you know, with the Bears' offense and, and particularly what it could look like. It might make the Browns' defense – you know, look pretty good 
and kind of get them going in the direction where a lot of people thought that defense would be going. So for me, it'll be pass, pass, smooth. I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. How you feeling about the Bears and the Browns? Yeah, I like and I also bet this game and I took the Bears with the points getting seven. You know, it opened up seven and a half. And right now in pregame is getting about the Browns are getting about eight out of the 10 tickets, but the line is moved towards the Bears. But just getting back to talking a little bit more about uh, Justin Fields getting his first start. I think this is uh, somewhat of an up uh, an upgrade. Um, I know Mac Jones has looked the best out of all the rookie quarterbacks so far, but he's been the one that's, you know, been on the team that's pretty much been grooming him to kind of be ready to go, you know, week one if need be. And he, and he excelled and took that job over. But I don't think that's too much of a surprise because, you know, that was his strength coming into coming into the draft being, a, you know, the most pro-ready quarterback. But, you know, Justin Fields, he was the only quarterback that was rated, you know, top five as a passer and as a rusher, you know, as a quarterback, you know, coming into the league. And when you look at, you know, these veterans on this Bears team and, you know, the fan base, you know, they've been, you know, waiting and calling for and just uh, expecting Justin Fields to get in there sooner than, you know, than he is, even though it's pretty early right now. And I think that, like you said, Sleepy, this team is going to really rally around him. And, you know, he just brings a different skill set, you know, to this Bears offense that, I just don't think Andy Dalton was able to take advantage of. Like, they do struggle on the offensive line a little bit, but, you know, Fields has already shown his mobility to move around and make plays out of the pocket. But I think, you know, you've seen some of his struggles, you know, when he came in for Andy Dalton in relief because of, with the injury. I don't think he'll, he'll struggle with some of those same plays because they have a full week, you know, to prepare. And, you know, Matt Nagy have a game plan you know, design and tailor made around his uh around his skill set. And I think one of the things that, you know, doesn't get talked about as much when you see a change at the quarterback position like this is that, you know, for you know, about maybe a year and a half or so, the the Bears have had some some really good or better than what's been shown out there, you know, players at their skill position. We're talking about their wide receivers and tight ends, but because they have so such bad quarterback play, you really haven't been able to see that. So a guy like Allen Robinson or maybe a Marquise Goodwin or a Cole Komet, I think they'll be able to showcase their talents a little bit more with uh, Fields back there. So, um, And then just looking at the Browns, you know, the first couple of games, you know, they have some big names that come with some big reputations on the defensive side of the ball, but they just really haven't lived up to that yet. And I don't think it's any shame giving up points to the Chiefs in week one. But, you know, just watching them play last week against the Texans, Things pause for concern. You know, their their front seven is okay, but their back seven and their secondary, I think they can be had, and I think that's where uh, Fields will shine and stay within his number and uh, cover, the, cover the spread. I wonder how much of a downgrade we have to go ahead and take from Cleveland with the Jarvis Landry injury. And then, you know, Baker, I guess he supposedly popped his shoulder or something happened where, um, you know, he, he said it was, you know, rather painful. Something just wasn't right, but I guess he's going to go. But everything I heard last week about the Browns was like the the air just came out of them when Landry went down. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I think we certainly have to downgrade them. And if Baker's not a hundred percent and he gets whacked, you know, there's a chance he might end up on the sideline. You know, trying to go ahead and you know put his shoulder on the mend. You know, for more important games, especially if Cleveland, you know, more than likely probably has a lead in this game. But I just don't believe it's safe. I think the back door is open here uh, for the Bears to go ahead and get close to a cover here. Again, I'll pass. 
Dan, let's jump over to uh, the Ravens and the Lions. That's a game that you broke down uh, right now. Lions are going to be plus eight here at home. We have a high total on this one of 50. Dan, I'll throw it over to you first. Ravens, Lions, what do you got? Believe it or not, the Lions defense somehow managed to get worse. I know it's shockingly. But on a serious note, the Lions have lost Jeff Okuda. I know he really struggled last year, and I thought he was going to take a step forward this year because of the terrible coaching last year. But he tore his Achilles. Jamie Collins retired for the year for a non-physical reason, just said he retired. Their Lions third-round pick, the cornerback out of Syracuse last year, Ifite Malafawu, whose name I totally just butchered, he's out done for the year now. So that was a pretty bad secondary to start with coming into this year. And now they're just beyond bad. I'm not sure what the right objective is. The only reason why I haven't bet the Ravens yet at minus eight is one, that's a pretty big road favorite. And two, if you watch the Ravens at the end of the Chiefs game last week, they were celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl. They went for it. They looked like they had just won the game of their lives. So that's the only reason why I didn't bet them. But you could take the Ravens this week in a teaser just because the Lions defense is that bad. I just can't lay eight points on the road right now. But I might play this Ravens total of 29 and a half. We know the Ravens have their issues when they play really good teams. You know, the Chiefs, the Steelers the last couple of years, or anybody who has a winning record. When you see the Ravens play these really bottom feeder teams, even mediocre teams, you see them dropping 35, 40 points each week, and you see them racking up some garbage stats against these garbage teams. So I'll lean Lions, or my apologies, I lean Ravens just because I don't want to lay the eight. Teaser possibility, over is also a possibility. I get like a really weird feeling about this game that the Lions are going to make this one close, like down to like uh, you got to kick a field goal to win it close. And I know their defense is bad, Dan, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about their defense. It's it's not good, but I do worry a little bit about, you know, the wins that Baltimore has, how they won. And I think if the Lions go into, you know, this game, the way that they went into the Green Bay game and, and kind of the way that they finished up, you know, their week one game, you know, that they feel that they're live. Like this team isn't as bad as they were, you know, advertised in the beginning of the year. They're fighting each and every week. Yeah, they're not covering spreads. They're getting beat, but still, they're going out there and fighting. And at home, I'm willing to bet. And this is something that we haven't seen from, you know, Detroit in the past. You know, that team, they don't play four full quarters. You know, it it ended up being, you know, Stafford in the fourth quarter trying to catch up in garbage time, you know, game after game. But I have a different feeling about this particular Lions team, especially with their coaching staff, that they will go out and they'll play four, four, you know, four full quarters. And look, if they come up short, they come up short. But I don't want to lay, you know, that many points here with the Ravens. I think that the Lions probably sell out here to try to stop Jackson at all costs. It doesn't matter if they have two spies on him or three. They're going to make him go ahead and try to beat him with the rushing, with the running backs and and have him throw the ball. I don't believe that Jackson's going to, you know, get loose in this particular game, you know, over and over and over again. And I know how hard that is to go ahead and stop him. I mean, just watch the games. Um, that guy, you know, could pretty much do whatever he wants, but um, I don't think teams necessarily sell out uh, against him. I just get a sneaky feeling that this game's a whole hell of a lot closer than people think. Uh, I would be careful putting the Ravens as your survivor pick. This could be the upset of the week. This this could be the one that blows up all your teasers, uh, where this game lands, you know, one and you're laying one and a half. My gut feeling says play the Lions. I lean that way. Um, I lean that way, kind of, kind of strong. 
and that's all I'll pretty much say about that particular game. I, I, I just can't find myself getting to the Ravens, you know, in this particular game. If the, if the Lions are going to win a game, you know, they're probably going to win a game at home that, you know, somebody is probably overlooking them. And I'm willing to bet that the Ravens are overlooking this Lions team, who, in my opinion, has a little bit of fight. Dan, let's jump over to the Colts here. They're going to be on the road in Tennessee. Tennessee right now, uh, right around minus five, five and a half. We have a total of 48. Not sure if you have any thoughts on the Colts Titans there, Dan. What are you thinking? Well, I was thinking I'm going to come in here, use that Rodrigo kicking prop again. But unfortunately, there's no kicking props up yet. And actually, I haven't seen any props yet for this game because I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to play. I doubt he's going to play. And if he does play, he has two sprained ankles. The Colts offensive line is giving up so much pressure. I know people bash Carson Wentz, but Sleepy, I know you and I have talked about this before. Why did Wentz do so poorly last year? One of the main reasons was that terrible Eagles offensive line, and Carson Wentz almost never had time to throw. Once again, he's suffering again from that. So if you have Jacob Eason playing, well, he's not the most mobile guy. Believe it or not, the Colts actually probably should have won last week because they had those two red zone turnovers that I don't know what they were doing yet that Carson Wentz shovel pass that was picked off somehow and I was stunned that was picked off you also had the Colts going for it four times on the one yard line three times was a run that was stuffed and the fourth play was a pass that Carson Wentz actually lost yards on so maybe Frank Wright got a little cute there maybe that pick was Carson Wentz's fault but they did move the ball last week but again until I know who's actually playing quarterback this week and I still think it's Jacob Eason I got to pass this game. I can't touch anything right now. Yeah, I can't find myself getting to the Colts in this game, even if Wentz does play. I think the Titans just went out there. They had a week one stinker. And I believe it was on the podcast that you and Smooth and I did last week. And I said, if we were hoping for one team to lose and not cover, uh, it was the Tennessee Titans because I wanted to go ahead and I wanted to play on them because I think they were going to be pissed off, salty, and they were just going to start buzzsawing teams. Derrick Henry's the best running back in, in football. I mean, and you can argue if you want to, and there's probably a couple of guys that you know you can make arguments with. But you know, when that dude's doing his thing, it's hard to stop the Titans, and then it just opens up everything else. I would probably lay the points here with the Titans. I wouldn't be shocked if they win this game by close to you know three scores. I think they could put up 30 points on the Colts. I believe that that offense finally got you know a good game under their belt. It would take probably seven and a half points for me to even consider the Colts, and I probably still wouldn't play them. So with that said, I mean, it would be the Titans or nothing for me. As far as the totals is concerned, uh, it would be a pass for me on the total. So uh, strong lean here with the Titans. I like them. I think they win by a couple scores in this game. And uh, and, and just put that week one loss behind them. I think, I think that big win last week uh, is going to help them wake them up and kind of, you know, let everybody know like, hey, you know, Julio's here, AJ's here. We got Derrick Henry, Tannehill. You know, we got we got a good team. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do some things. So uh, I'll go ahead and do it with that. Let's jump over to the Saints at the Patriots. Patriots minus three, total 42. Smooth, I'll throw it over to you first. Saints, Patriots, what do you got? Yeah, I like the Saints here. And believe it or not, I think the wrong team's favorite. So I, I definitely grabbed the, the Saints with the points at three. Um, I would grab it now while it's still at three. I think it's going to come down to two and a half, but... I backed the Saints uh, week one against your Packers, Sleepy, and, you know, they came out and won with by 30-plus points or whatever the case may be. Um, I think they just had a lot of motivation there. But then going into week two, uh, 
think it was a, a letdown, a flat spot. You know, also they're still dealing with some of the, you know, relocation and practicing in different places because of a hurricane Ida and uh, dealing with a few injuries coming out of that Packers game. But I think this is a perfect spot for them to rebound and have a, a bounce back performance. A good team like that and a great coach in Sean Payton getting embarrassed uh, by a Panthers team who's pretty good, but not on this. I don't think on the same level as them. So I think they're going to come in, into this one with some some added motivation to to play to play well. But they also have a opportunity to get back one of their better defensive players that missed last week in Marshawn Lattimore, which I think will make it a little bit tougher for uh, Mac Jones to go up against that secondary. You know, if he comes back. And uh, another crazy stat coming out of that game, you know, last week against the Panthers and Alvin Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best, you know, running backs in the league, along with Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, only had five rushing yards off of eight attempts. And that's just something that you never see, you know, when it comes to him. So I think he has a, back, a bounce back performance as well. And then I think the Patriots can also get caught, you know, looking ahead, you know, you know, next week to week four, you know, when they play Tom Brady and the Bucks. So, it's going to be a lot of hype and, um, you know, uh, media attention around that game. So you get a, a hungry uh, New Orleans Saints, you know, coming a team coming in here, you know, looking to the bounce back and go up against a, a rookie quarterback, um, you know, and put out a better performance. So um, I, I'll grab the points with the, with the Saints and then I'll even look to play a little bit on the money line as I think they'll win this one straight out. Yeah, I can tell you right now that the Saints aren't nowhere near as good as they were with their week one performance. And they weren't, and they're certainly not as bad as they were, you know, last week. And you brought up a good point there, Smooth, with Kamara. You know, how often are you going to see that guy? And it's funny because I have him in one of my fantasy leagues. I'm like, that was like probably one of the craziest outliers in fantasy football, you know, history that, you know, like the number three or number two pick in everybody's draft ends up going out and getting like five yards. Like, it was just insane. And I would agree with you. The Saints are probably the side I would lean to because I actually like the under in this game. I don't see how Belichick puts Jones in a position to have to go up against that Saints defense. And I think we probably all would agree that the Saints defense is at least average at worst. All right. So I would say at least average. But I mean, if you go and you, you know, look at what they did against Green Bay, uh, they look like they might have been the best defense in the league. So. Uh, I'm on the side of saying that they're better than average, you know, that they're a pretty good defense. And the Patriots, I think their defense is pretty good too. But I don't think that Sean Payton's going to allow Winston to go on the road in Foxborough up against that defense and Belichick and throw the game away. So I do think we'll see a lot of Kamara. I do believe we'll see a lot of the Patriots running back committee that they have. I think we'll see a lot of running in this game. And I think the – at least for Belichick, he's going to wait out and wait for the mistakes to happen. And I believe there may be a mistake or two that occurs in this game that might cost the Saints the game. But I would be with you, Smooth, that this game very well could be won by the Saints. It could be a one, two, three-point game. But I just don't see the Patriots being able to get a ton of margin in this game because I don't believe they're going to put Mac Jones in a position you know, to put up a ton of points. I think they're going to put him in a position to not screw this up. And uh, when you have two teams that probably are going to come in here, you know, with a, a game plan that's probably close to the vest, uh, I, it can only put me on the under in that one. So uh, lean with you there, smooth to the Saints. I like that pick. It's a contrarian pick for sure. But I think the under is probably the way to go. 
uh, at least for me. Let's jump over to Bengals at the Steelers. Steelers going to be minus three. Total 43 and a half. Dan, you have a handicap on this one. What are you thinking about for the Bengals and Steelers? All right. I like the Steelers minus three. Last week I liked them, but I saw the injury report and then the in-game injuries of TJ Watt and another Steelers defensive end. That pretty much killed any hope of them covering for that game. The Steelers lost both their defensive ends. They had no pass for us. They didn't have Devin Bush to start with or Joe Hayden. And I got to give Raiders the credit. They were in the ultimate fade spot, and they went to Pittsburgh and won outright. For the Bengals, they had a fraudulent final score last week. The Bears are trying to put that game away, and Justin Fields had that interception, and then the Bengals closed it to three points in the end. And honestly, sleeping smooth, I had some concerns about this Bengals O-line. Last week, the Bears had five sacks and nine pressures on Joe Burrow. If the Steelers get half that much pressure and sacks on Joe Burrow, I don't know how the Bengals are going to be able to win this outright since we're laying about three points. I just think this is a get-right spot for the Steelers after that last week's buckle. But I am concerned about backing Big Ben going forward for the rest of the year. Is he going to finally fall off a cliff like I think he's going to? Or is he kind of, is he going to keep kind of pushing it off? So I like the Steelers this week because they have a pretty brutal schedule for most of the year. And if they want any chance of winning this division, they have to win this week because he can't be falling behind to the Ravens or to the Browns. So I like the Steelers here in minus three. My concern here with Pittsburgh is that this could be where the Bengals start to overtake Pittsburgh in the division. They're going to need to find somebody for Big Ben. And it's like, all right, yeah, it's two games, but he got, you know, he got whacked pretty good there last week. So I'm not even sure if he's 100% coming into this one. But eventually, I think that the Bengals are going to overtake the Steelers as being the better team. And, you know, this could be the game that it happens. But I don't want to go ahead and touch the Bengals right now. I don't think their defense is strong enough. I'm still a little bit worried about, you know, Burrow and, and where he's at mentally. For me, it's a pass. I think the three is probably right. Um, I could see the Steelers winning this one by three, or I could see the Bengals maybe, you know, squeezing one out by three, two, one way or another. Uh, it's probably, you know, within that one to three point corridor uh, for both teams to go in and win. As far as the total is concerned, uh, no real opinion on that. Let's jump over to our final game here. Uh, we got the Cardinals and we have the Jaguars. Jaguars are going to be a home dog here, plus seven and a half. Cardinals looking pretty good so far. Kyler Murray looking really good. Total in this one, 52. Smooth, I'll go out, throw it over to you if you have any thoughts on the Cardinals and Jags. What are you thinking? Yeah, th- this is a game that I would pass. Um, just so the simple fact that everybody's going to be all over the Cardinals, and rightfully so, given how great they've looked the first couple of weeks. And, um, I played the Jaguars last year uh, going up against the Broncos. I thought they was in a really good spot to cover that. But, you know, they just showed me that even though it's early in the seasons, you just can't really trust bad teams because they'll show you why, you know, eventually. And, you know, they had, you know, some good chances there. You know, the Broncos, they were two for 11 on third downs. And the Jaguars just had a lot of different opportunities to get within that number. They even had a special teams uh kickoff return touchdown with to give him a little bit of a boost but they just couldn't do anything offensively with Trevor Lawrence um I know it's pretty early but um I just think he, he might be a little bit overrated just going back to looking at what he's done in Clemson um compared to you know Deshaun Watson who he came after I don't think he's you know lived up to to that status you know in the big games outside of that 
national championship game his freshman year. He hasn't really lived up to that. And just some of the throws I've seen him make, you know, against the Broncos, um, you know, behind guys, missing guys. Um, Urban Meyer, you know, really trying to figure out the NFL game. Um, just not really there yet. And, you know, the Cardinals are rolling. You know, they're healthy. Um, I think Kyler Murray, he's, you know, he has the best odds or second best odds to, you know, be an MVP, you know, with uh, Tom Brady. And, you know, they just have a lot of weapons all over the field. And I think that the Cardinals defense has also improved, you know, bringing in, you know, J.J. Watt and putting them opposite of Chandler Jones and, you know, Buda Baker over there as well. So I would pass this game. I think it's, you know, just for the simple fact the public all, the public's going to be all over this one. You know, like you mentioned, you know, earlier with the Ravens could blow up some survival pools or some, you know, uh, picks like that. Um, this could possibly be a that same type of situation, but I just can't get behind the Jags and, I don't want to be on the side of the Cardinals either. So this is a game that I would pass, probably look towards some player props or first half, you know, first half odds or lines or something like that. But I'll pass the game and the total. I feel pretty good about the Cardinals in a teaser. Um, seven point tees, six and a half point tees, get them guys down to, you know, minus one or a pick them. Yeah, I don't know, man, about this Jaguars team. I think Trevor Lawrence is only as good as the playmakers that he has around him. Uh, Chanel got banged up. You know, Smoothie brought up Urban Meyer. It's going to take time. You know, this team is is brand new. You know, a lot of new looks. The the good players that they had on this team, um, you know, they're not there anymore. Think about, you know, how good the, the Jaguars were, you know, just a couple of years back when, they, you know, they were really, really good. You know, they were, you know, unfortunately, they had Blake Bortles as a quarterback. But still, um, they were a good team at one time. And they've just fallen off a cliff and it's complete rebuild mode. And I don't believe Kyler Murray and Kingsbury and, you know, A.J. Green and Hopkins and, you know, guys that are servicing like Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk and the guys in the backfield. Like, it's a tough team. Um, you're going to have to keep them off the scoreboard. And I don't believe that the Jaguars are going to be able to do that. And in order for the Jaguars to put points on the board, you know, they have to avoid making mistakes. And I feel that that's kind of the growing pains that they're going to go through mistakes, turnovers, penalties, uh, you know, not being able to convert on third and fourth down uh, those particular things. And I think the Cardinals defense, not only is it improving, but I think they know it's improving. And I think that they know right now at this particular part of the season, that these are games that they would typically go lose uh, when they didn't have a Kyler Murray and it would hurt them. And it was like, well, you know, if we would have won one or two more games here or there, you know, we could have made the playoffs. So I think the Cardinals come in here not looking ahead, not looking behind. I think they come in here focused. And although I don't want to lay the seven and a half points because I believe the Jaguars, that they just throw every haymaker that they possibly can, that they're really up for this game. But I don't believe that they're going to win. And I'm going to tease the Cardinals. But what I was getting at with saying that is don't be shocked if the Cardinals go in here and beat this team, you know, 45 to three, you know, it could be ugly. Um, I could see a very ugly um, outcome for this particular game. So I, I would tease them without a doubt. Um, that would be a no hesitation uh, play for me. But that's all we got for these games here, guys. That'll wrap up our week three stuff. Uh, big thanks to Smooth. Big thanks to Dan for jumping on the podcast. Uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You guys can get Smooth. At smooth underscore 702, you guys can get Dan Rivera at Dan Rivera 228. 
And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL Week 3. Enjoy the games.